Three is considered to be a magical number in the Māori world. Tēnā koutou, thrice. Tēnana, inengaro, wairua, and so on. School bullies also come in threes. One leader, one heavy, and one other. I call our kura's bullies the three. I know, genius. There's the leader, Tux, which is short for Takoto, who considers himself a bird of a sweet talker. Then there's Rawiri, the trickster, who would give Maui a run for his money. Finally, there's the muscle, a six foot three gargantuan kid called Mango, like the fruit, and also spelt the same. I think it's supposed to be Mango, as in shark, but Mango, the plump and odd tasting fruit, suits him better. Anyway, the three run the underground operation at the Kura, which basically means slap, donk, thank you for your sandwich. You get the picture. To save them from an unwelcome visit to Principal Pukuriri's office, they use clever code words to get away with things. Words such as volunteer donations, meaning other kids' kai or money. Hanging wall art means hanging nerdy kids up on the door hooks. And my personal favourite, sandwiches, which is code for wedgies. Yikes. You have to say it fast to get it, yeah? Wedgies. Sandwiches. Anyway. Oh, Ian, by the way, I'm Hemi, the leader of the pack's irritating little brother. Home time. Thank goodness. Hey, Hemo, let's go. It's Hemi. Whatever. Oh, volunteer donation time! Mango walks towards the kid who'd been saving his bag of chips for an after-school snack. The kid knows the deal. It's better to give than receive, so he hands them over. <clears throat> Afternoon tea is served, gentlemen. They take a couple of chips each, and Mango throws what's left into his backpack for later. The three strut down the corridor with me in tow, then out into the schoolyard, which is bustling with kids. Mr. Fare is yelling at the kids on scooters who think they're in a Mario Kart game. Fare, hey, I'm behind it. The kids slow down a bit until they're out of sight, and then they bunny hop over the year twos who are sitting on the curb. Bonus points. As the three walk towards the school gate, I'm reminded of Moses in the Red Sea as the kids part, leaving a clear path to the school crossing. Have a lovely afternoon, Ms. Hathaway. Tux pretends to take off a hat and bows to the teacher on duty. Her eyes narrow with suspicion and for good cause. He doesn't mean a word of it, of course. It's just a ruse to distract her while Rawiri slips the khakis out of Ms. Hathaway's bags for the umpteenth time, then throws them behind his back into the bushes. They've done that loads of times. It's kind of a game of wits. Score so far, the three, 77 points. Witless Ms. Hathaway, nil. They fist bump and speed off before Ms. Hathaway figures out she's been duped again. We head down the footpath over the little bridge that runs over Ngaro Stream. We go past crazy old lady Miruranga's little whare hoping she's not outside on her chair. She is. She always is. She's apparently blind too. White eyeballs and everything. I say apparently blind because she always tracks us like an eagle as we walk past. 
The three always give her inappropriate gestures as they pass. The old lady has a bag of stones, especially set aside for the boys. And with sniper-like precision, she hurls one. You old bag! It always gets one of them. We all take off. Now just for the record, crazy old lady, 300 points. The three, nil. We finally arrive at the abandoned bus stop in front of what we call the Dark Forest. I don't like being here. It gives me the creeps. Come on, Tux. Let's just cruise. Hey, hang on, Hema. It's Hemi. Whatever. My eyes refocus on something behind Tux, deep in the dark forest. My gaze is drawn to the big rock, shaped like a bed. We call it bedrock. After the Flintstones? I know. Genius. I think it used to be an altar back in the day. There's something on it. It glistens from the little bit of light that makes it in there. That's weird. The three have all turned to see what's piqued my interest. A gust of wind blows. Classic signal for time to leave. Hey, let's get out of here, guys. Tux pulls everyone into a huddle like they're doing gridiron. Look, ladies. We're gonna go and see what's on old bedrock over there, and we're gonna go together, aren't we? Two heads are nodding up and down. Mine and Rawiri's are moving side to side. Tux grabs our heads and moves them up and down like puppets. That's better. Now let's go. We turn back towards the dark forest, and then far out! There's a little boy standing there. Where the heck did he come from? He looks like he's only about four. He's naked, his hair is unkempt, unwashed face. Another classic signal to get out of there. Oh, hey, hey, here's your tailor, kid. Tuck's wax mango. The heck are you doing out here, kid? Yeah, where are your parents? The kid doesn't reply, not a sound. He just slowly raises his hand and gestures behind us towards the dark forests. We all swivel to see that he's pointing to the rock. When we turn back, Oh, he's gone. Mango states the obvious. Hey, the kid's gone. Your powers of observation know no bounds, Mango. Well, where is he? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Do I look like a radar? <sighs> we all freeze. <sighs> Whispers are echoing all around us. That means crap, right? Right? Which, ironically, is where we seem to have found ourselves smack bang in the middle of. The echo stops suddenly. There's an eerie pause, and then... Without hesitation, we bolt like we're in a hundred meter race, and the laughter is the starting gun. We sure as heck aren't sticking around to see what mouth that came out of. The laughter has subsided when we finally come to a stop. We look around us. Oh crap, we're still near the rock. That's it. Time and relative dimension in space. Uh, which relatives? Don't hurt yourself. We're all bent over as we suck it in. I've also noticed something else. The forest is strangely quiet. 
No whistling, chirping, or twittering. Nothing. We all look up to see that the glistening object that caught our attention before is a huge bunch of grapes sitting in the middle of the rock. Despite what's just transpired, Tux is not one to let an opportunity slip by. He calmly says, Half-time oranges, lads. The boys all nod understandingly, grab a handful of grapes each, and are about to shovel them down their throats. Taihua! Taihua, bad idea! Come on, boys, don't you watch movies? The boy? The laugh? If that's what that was? I look at all of them, trying to appeal to their better natures. I'm doomed before I even start. To be fair, the three do pause to think. And do you see any grapevines around here? Huh? Think about it. Come on. Think about it. The boys move their eyeballs left and right, and then proceed to move the grapes in slow motion towards their mouths, like you do when you're teasing a baby. Don't do it! A scream fills the air! We look up to see nothing but the dark of the forest and the shadows cast by the trees, and then the shadows move. They begin to rise like flames climbing up the trees. And there's a sound like dogs, dozens of dogs growling. We all stand there and watch in fear as the shadows rise. The shadows form and dissolve into a variety of shapes. Animals, beasts, you name it but with three heads and seven arms. We take off and head towards the bus shelter. Here we go again. We run and run and run. But for all our efforts, we don't seem to be getting any closer to the bus shelter. What the heck is going on? We pause to catch our breath. We're still near the rock. Discombobulated and disorientated, Tux calls out. Hey! Rawiri! Where are we? Rawiri? We all look around, searching for Rawiri. Where's Rawiri? Rawiri's gone. He was right there, now he's not. The shadows have now surrounded us and are inching closer by the second. We move to where there's still light, sensing that touching the shadows will not end well. We all shout to each other trying to avoid the darkness. I take a quick look around and realize they're being corralled to the center, to the rock. Some of the shadows have now separated from the main bunch and are leaping high up in the treetops. We come in back to back, resigned to make our last stand. And then it happens. All the shadows begin diving into the rock, which is just a few meters in front of us. Shadow after shadow, one on top of the other, disappearing into the rock. After the leap of the last shadow, the ground begins to tremble. And then, out of the rock, it rises. It's a shadow that is slowly transforming into a physical form. What the? A figure towers over us. Must be over 10 feet tall. Why do they always have to be over 10 feet tall? His body is ripped like a champion steed. He has cloven hooves and is covered in moko that looks like it's been carved with a blunt knife.
and he's quite good looking. Taiwa! I know the story. It's the video. It's the, it's the, it's the goat man. It, it all fits. It cracks its neck and snaps. Equal parts of smoke and mucus shoot out of his nostrils. We are so finished. Agreed. It jumps off the rock and lands in a low haka stance, just a metre or so away. He could slap us right now if he wanted, and there would be little to nothing we could do about it. He clenches his fists and rises, arching his back. He is poised to strike when... A stone hits him in the eye. The Lidio roars. It's Rawiri and the crazy old lady. Rawiri made it out. If anyone could, Rawiri Tiki Tiki Ataranga could. She hurls a set of stones at the Lidio as fast as Rawiri can feed them to her. They all hit the Lidio with a machine gun pace. In the mayhem, I'm puzzled. How can plain old stones affect the supernatural being? A stone bounces off the radio and rolls towards my feet. I pick it up. I get it. It's the same stone as the rock. It must be Tapu or something. The old lady turns to us. What the heck did you kids do? We're all stunned for a moment. It's stupid. But we've never actually heard her speak before. Oh, uh, nothing. We're just minding our own business and eating... The grapes! We all nod. Morons! They were the idiots. Do you see any grapevines around here? We look left and right. I, I tried to tell them. And now he wants his clay back. And he'll get his clay back one way or the other. See! The old lady rips her blanket off to reveal her half-eaten legs. We're all shocked for a second time, equally because of her half-missing legs and the fact that she just ripped her blanket off in front of us. During our little chit-chat, the radio hasn't been idle. He punches the earth and separates into a dozen shadows that begin to duck and dive all around us. Tux and Mango are now in on the stone-throwing action. A crazy thought pops into my mind. Hey, 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 old lady! Did you say that Idio wants his guy back? Yes! Otherwise he'll eat something else on you, right? Yes! Hey, Mango! What? Your backpack! Quickly! He pauses. His eyes widen with understanding. Oh, correct! He takes his backpack off, unzips the top, and grabs the half-eaten packet of chips. In or out? What? Do I leave them in the bag or do I empty them out? Just throw the damn things! He hurls the chips, bag and all at the table. The shadows go nuts, zigzagging all over the place. They zoom overhead and swirl around, creating a vortex over the rock. The shadows spiral down like a tornado unfolding in reverse. And then just like that, the shadows and the trips are gone. As we head out of the forest, back to the bus shelter, I notice a couple of P.Y. Waka dancing mockingly in front of us. 
I shudder briefly as the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. I shake it off and suddenly we're back. Oh, thank goodness. Oh, man. Lucky you made it out to get help. Oh, man. Lucky you didn't eat all the chips like normal. <laughs> we all escort the old lady back to her whare. She doesn't seem so crazy anymore. Before parting ways, I asked the old lady. There was a boy. Te Hamuti. Yeah, I think so. That's a story for another day. For now, go in peace, homie. No, it's Hemi. Whatever. <laughs> Ki kehua, he mea tuku nā te wānanga o Aotearoa a nā te māngai pāho i tautoko. Paki kehua, brought to you by te wānanga o Aotearoa with funding from te māngai pāho. <laughs>